You know, I'm going to open with a, an apology because uh, last week um, I did a Mother's Day sermon. And uh, remember, it was like, happy Mother's Day. And then we did the scripture reading and right out of the gate it was like, but avoid sexual immorality. Wasn't that great? I mean, I can only imagine really what the combos were like on the drive home after uh, last, uh, last Sunday's Mother's Day. <laughs> well, that was an interesting Mother's Day sermon. But here's the deal. This is a true story true confessional. I'm going to feel so much better sharing this with you. And that is months ago in the teaching team and I uh, uh, got together. um, Instead of looking at the calendar, we made an assumption and it's always wrong to assume. And I kept thinking Mother's Day was in the middle of May, not the early part of May. And so um, everything had been done, growth guides done before I realized the error of my ways. And I'm like, oh my goodness. All right, let's try to spin this a little bit to say, hey, this is great advice from a parent who loves you, right? Right? Right, please. Right? Right? Okay, good. Good. All right. Now, I do feel better sharing that because today really was intended to be kind of the Mother's Day uh, sermon. So, hey, to you moms, happy Mother's Day again. It's a very hard, hard job that you guys have, and so uh, you can never thank moms enough, right? All right, good. Good, good, good. Well, uh, today is so important because every single person, no matter who you are, is going to benefit greatly if you allow the Word of God to dwell richly in your hearts in this subject matter today. And the subject matter we're really talking about is relationships. Relationships. Uh, How many of you are involved in a relationship? Uh, Every hand should be raised. Because some of you are thinking, what relationship he's talking about? Hey, I'm talking about that relationship you're wrestling if you raise your hand, okay? Here would be an example of the kind of relationships we find ourselves in. You know, a a child has a relationship with mom and dad, and mom and dad have a relationship with the child. Um, A husband has a relationship with a wife, wife relationship with a husband. Um, An employee has a relationship with an employer, and vice versa. In fact, you being here and and, uh, calling yourself part of the local family of faith called Grace Spring Bible Church, uh, you have entered into a relationship, have you not? Because all of us, I mean, I could go on and on and on about all the relationships we find ourselves in, and every relationship, every relationship has a commonality. And the commonality of every relationship is you bring dreams into every relationship. With dreams, uh, that's kind of a single word that has Uh, the connotation that all of you go into every relationship with a hope, don't you? Um, I remember when I met my now wife uh, in high school, I knew that, wow, I want to marry that girl someday. And you know why? Because she appeared to be like the perfect, perfect woman. And she is. Sorry, Tammy, I just, yeah, no, I, I, she was definitely perfect for me. And I, I go, oh my goodness, she is going to make my life so great. And I'm sure she felt the same about me, right? 
Why are you laughing? I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure that entered into the equation. But all of us, even those of you who I know, you know, COVID has been what some of us pastors call the great reshuffling of the sheep of the century, of people going different churches looking around. I've got a theory as to why that is, because I think people are just looking for something that has maybe been missing in the context uh, of which they were in, because their hopes, their dreams have not maybe been fulfilled there, or, or maybe there's just something that they go, man, I, I, I just think something is missing. I'm telling you, every single person comes into every relationship with hopes and dreams. Here in the next few weeks, I've got a few marriages and weddings to um, uh, officiate. And I know when the ring is exchanged, so is that box of dreams. Would you agree with me? I do is like, great, here are my dreams And it is now your job to fulfill my dreams. Because you are the perfect person for me. Right? Now, this is what our passage talks about today. Because there is something that Jesus said that was so radical to his day... I think it might be so familiar with us, we don't realize how radical it is. And it is this statement. The night he was betrayed and he was having his final meal with his closest buddies, his, his disciples. And he says this, and I want you to really hang on every word. A new commandment I give you. Stop. A new commandment, I want you to think about this, a new commandment. Who is able to give commands? Anybody? Somebody with authority, right? He says, I'm giving you a command. Now, he says, this is a new command. So Jesus himself right there is saying, I am placing myself as a person of authority. In fact, by the way, guys, I am God. So I'm giving you a new command. And he says that you love one another. Does he stop there? He does not stop there. Because this, had he have stopped there, would not have been a new command. No. What makes this a new command is this next part. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another, to agape one another. Here's what he's saying is that you, at times, to love one another, you've got to empty your box of a lot of the dreams that maybe you brought with great intentions into a relationship. But here is, as human beings, we are born into sin. So we are born, our natural instinct is for us to say, you are here for me, so you are here to fulfill my dreams. And you know what happens when I go into every relationship with you are here to fulfill my dreams, what 
is on the other side of this box is expectation. It's almost like, oh, wow, man, that's a lot. And so when you study this, it's as if you um, are, 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 are the one who is just saying, I will love you as long as you fulfill my dreams. But if you do not meet my expectations, then you're out. And I've got to look somewhere else. And it's amazing how much we bring that into our different relationships. What made it dangerous, particularly for me, is I was a psychology major. And in psychology major, I had to take this course called Rat Lab. Any of you there with me? Taking Rat Lab? Okay, at Rat Lab um, was very fascinating because at Rat Lab, um, you taught a rat how to do things, go through a maze, all this kind of stuff. And anytime the rat did not do what it should have done, you have to zap the rat. Okay, so they can condition, oh, this is not a good move. And then you, when they go the direction you want them to go, oh, you give them a morsel of food. So, oh, that's a reward. Okay? So, you get where I'm going. If you've come from a legalistic background, of which I came from, and you combine that with the rat lab, you go into marriage with, I am going to reward Tammy for all the things she does to make my life better and I will punish her for anything that she does that makes my life not according to my dreams and my wishes. You could ask her how well I did at Ratlab. <laughs> She'd say, oh man, he was a master. Um, and really... That's really, I think, what happens in our relationship. So the text today, I want to uh, invite uh, John and Julie Vandervoort up here uh, to the stage to uh, read the text for us, Ephesians 5, 21 through 6, 9. Um, please turn there in your Bibles. I want everybody to follow along in this hugely important text. I know John is one of our elders, but uh, tell us something about the Vandervoorts. Well, good morning. Um, like Brian said, I'm, I'm John Vandervoort. This is my wife, Julie. Um, we are natives of this area, both born and raised here in Richland. Um, we've been married 25 plus years, and about 24 of those years we've been here at Richland Bible Grace Spring. Uh, we have three children of whom we are very proud. Um, our oldest, Becca, just graduated from Cornerstone University. Uh, Jake, our middle boy, is just finished his freshman year at Grand Valley, and Ben is a freshman in high school. Fantastic. Yeah, as John said, we've been here for quite some time, and maybe we look a little familiar to some of you. <laughs> um, so we've served in a lot of different ways at this church. We love this church, and we really enjoy serving the Lord alongside a lot of you. Um, currently, John uh, is a greeter. You'll see him greeting. He also helps with the Helping Hands ministry, and he happens to be one of your amazing elders. Um, and currently, I serve with the Hub, so you'll see me out at the counter out there, and I also run a snack shop for our youth on Wednesday nights. So, 
Um, it is a privilege to see all of you here to join us and to read God's word and to get some instruction this morning. So if you want to stand with us and follow along as we read uh, from Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse uh, 21, and we're going to read through 6-9. And if you'd like to use your pew Bibles to follow along, it's on page 1162. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both your master, their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stay standing as we pray. Lord God, we, out of obedience to your will, open up the Holy Scriptures together. We call on the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit to illumine our minds with the truth contained that is as true for us today as to this audience 2,000 years ago. May we bind the truth to our hearts so that it may serve as an anchor in our relationships. Convict our hearts today in ways that need convicting. We pray this in the glorious name of Christ Jesus our Lord. And all God's children said, Amen. Please be seated. 
You know, in the book of Ephesians, I've said numerous times throughout the series and going through the book that the first three chapters were very doctrinal of here's what Christ has done. And now chapters four through six is now here's what we must do. Here is, here is how you live life. And this particular, chapters 4 through 6, is all about this theological word called sanctification. Sanctification. And when I think of this word, I think of Michelangelo, who when asked, hey, how in the world did you uh, uh, carve such an amazing um, sculpture of David? He just said, I just chiseled away everything that was not the David that I saw. In the very same way that the Holy Spirit of God is chiseling away everything that is not Jesus in our life. And so sanctification is everything that doesn't look like Jesus gets chiseled off. We will see this as a theme. Go back to chapter 1 and you will see the purpose of the writing of this book is that we will grow up and be like Christ. Not try to imitate him. Chapters 1 through 3 Uh, If you miss chapters 1 through 3, then chapters 4 through 6 come all about trying to follow a code of conduct. And that's not what a relationship with the living God is all about. So here is a summary of everything that today's text talks about relationship. That God uses our relationships to teach us about himself and to make us like himself. In fact, can I have us read that statement aloud? Ready? God uses our relationships to teach us about himself and to make us like himself. And so he does this through three primary relationships. The marriage relationship, the familiar, uh, familial relationship, family dynamic, the nuclear family. He does that in the employee, employment relationship. Um, But notice here how this works. Are you glad that I had them begin with verse 21? I, I couldn't have two weeks in a row of out of the gate, okay? One week, avoid sexual immorality. Week two, wives be submissive to your husbands, all right? Can't do that. But here we go. Let's uh, dive into this. Um, If you look there in your Bibles, normally there is a break between verses 21, 22. Those are not God-ordained. Those are put in there by those who are trying to help understand um, the contexts. And I want to start with verse 22. Verse 22 is hugely important because that's usually where your chapter break is. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. How many women love hearing that? I mean, just... It just breathes life into your spiritual looks. Oh, there's always that person in class, right, Julie? That's why you're an elder wife. You're that person. Um, Here is so funny. In our context, I, I really want us, because context is always king when it comes to interpreting the word of God. And so when you look at that, when you look at this uh, relationship, you got to understand that if what our statement that we read aloud is true, then marriage gives people a glimpse of the love of God, but also enables us to experience aspects about the love of God. And here you have wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Do you know that in the oldest manuscripts, the oldest Greek manuscripts, of which the New Testament um, was written. Um, that word submit is not there. 
Okay, it said, wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. Aren't you relieved about that? Well, there's a linguistic, linguistic reason for that. Because um, many times if there were two ideas, two sentences, one back to back, many times the, the second sentence would use and borrow the verb from the sentence prior to that. This is why translators put submit in here. But I know for our context today, this is not a very popular verse at all. And there's good reason for that. Because I do believe there are many Christian men who have absolutely abused this particular um, statement. Wives submit. Um, this word submission does not mean oppression. Okay? Don't be oppressed. Okay? Um, it says, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, six times in our text this morning, you read a similar statement about six times, as to the Lord, as to Christ, as, okay, that we are to do this out of um, our relationship with the living God. But in the context, we think, oh, wow, Paul is pretty gutsy. He is going right for the juggler out of the gate when he talks about the marital relationship. But you have to understand the Greco-Roman world. Wives were to submit. This is not new territory. It's a wives were to submit. Hey, woman, I told you to do that. You do that for me. That is how the Greco-Roman world worked. You need to know that. So while it's shocking to us in 21st century, it was not shocking to that day. In fact, he, he goes on, and, and, and we just need to understand that marriage is a reflection of God's relationship with his bride, the church. Look at verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, here's a statement that I want to put a caveat in. The statement does, that, does not mean that whatever the husband says, a wife is to obey. You need to know that. Because so many times people read this through the filter of wives obey your husbands in everything this is right. This is wives submit. Now, this idea of submit means that when there is an idea for a direction going this way, and you have an idea of a direction going this way, that when you are in disagreement, God is saying, I have designed such thing as the husband will be accountable for your relationship, and so submit to his lead, provided that it does not lead you into sin, or it does not lead other people into sin. That's really important. When you look at the totality of Scripture, it's like, yes, you obey, except when that obedience leads you down a sinful path. Would you agree with that? Okay. This is really important to understand. But see, this is setting, this is setting everything up for the great shock value of what's coming up to husbands. Because in this cultural context, this is the shocking part where Paul says, husbands, love 
your wives as Christ loved the church. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? He gave himself up for her. This is so radical 2,000 years ago. You have no idea. Because again, remember, in this society that women were like property. I, I mean, I hate saying this. This was the cultural context. Women were like property. They had no rights. Whatever a husband said went. A husband could leave his wife for any time. And if he left his wife at any time, that left her in a horrible financial predicament. And here's what Paul is saying. He says, guys, love, love your wives. This terminology is so popular in all our culture. Do you love them? Yes. Okay. Well, then get married or whatever. We just throw that around, but you've got to understand how shocking this was. Why does he say this? Because in marriage, there is oneness. There is oneness to be known and loved. And in marriage, there is these image bearers, both men and women created with unique roles that are then have the opportunity to exercise the grace of God that we just sung about. Because there are times they're going to disappoint you. Why? Because they're going to fight for their dreams. And they're going to be disappointed when their expectations are not met. And when that happens, (laughs) we have to have forgiveness, don't we? But see, just kind of like last week, remember, the illustration last week is that there are certain things I need to put off so that I could put on the newness of life. Remember that? Checking into TSA at the airport. I said there are certain things you just cannot pass through. You've got to leave it in the box. And I encourage as marriage and God's love for us that we relinquish some of our expectations and that we sit together as husband and wives and say, what is an expectation I am putting on you that I don't realize that I'm rat-labbing you to death? That when I'm not getting this, I'm pouting or I'm not giving you what you deserve. See, a healthy marriage is being all in. It is going, man, I want the best for you. That's what this love is all about. He says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her. That God calls the husband in a relationship to be the spiritual head in that relationship. And trust me, women are very smart. And when a guy's not doing this and they know it needs to be done for their family, women will step up. What I love about Grace Spring Bible Church is we have men who step up. This is why we are able to have and and hold true to what we firmly believe here at Grace Spring Bible Church's biblical um, eldership because it's biblical headship of accountability given to men to lead the church. Many churches are having to invite women into that role because they can't get men to lead. And I praise God there's no shortage of that here. But I tell you, you will never... Folks, this takes work. You will never drift towards this. As soon as you rest on your laurels, you will just drift to what society says and does. 
And then that permeates the church of Jesus Christ and our marriages become weak and the light that we were created by the Holy Spirit of God to be in our dark culture fades. We're to have our light shine and that light is to shine in our marriages. See, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. I know some men who love their own bodies, don't you? Man, give me the food I want. Give me the exercise I want, the recreation I want. He says, okay, whatever you have, that is a high, high priority. Now take that out and put your wife in place of that. Wow, that's radical. Yeah, it's radical, but it's radical because the creator of the universe who's lovingly given us the word is just incredible, this you know, I, I think this week, you know, here on May 12th of this last week, um, Dave and Elaine DeYoung celebrated 55 years of marriage. And I see Elaine here. Hey, stand up, Elaine. Come on, we, we got to give kudos to you. All right. Now, now, some of you might be looking, hey, that's an incomplete picture. Yeah, Dave hurt his back really, really, really bad. Hey, their marriage is doing fine. Been 55 years, doing fine, but it's awesome to be able to acknowledge that kind of thing around here, that we have godly men, godly women working together to not only uh, live out the joy of, of embracing different aspects of a relationship with the Holy God, but also to reflect that to the world. So, um, with that... You know what the golden rule is, right? Treat others the way you would want to be treated, correct? The platinum rule is treat others the way God in Christ has treated you. And so really, when in a relationship you don't know what to do, then you have to really think, okay, what has the love of God in Christ, how has that been extended to you? Now extend that to another. And that's the beauty of marriage, folks. It's the beauty of marriage. As Christ, as Christ, as Christ loved the church. There's oneness. Verse 33, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. A selfless relationship, when you have two selfless people, what can I give? Man, how can I give? How can I give? See, the command here is not just for the wife to submit. You got to go back to verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But it doesn't limit itself just to the marriage context, the nuclear family context. I mean, parents, we have the opportunity to teach our kids about the love of Christ by the manner in which we lead our families. We are not perfect, yet at the same time, our children learn authority and respect for authority and proper authority. I'll tell you, it's... it's I, I was standing in the back during our time of uh, praising the Lord through singing and uh, just seeing these kids, 
you know, in the back just praising God. And I know the family in which they come from. And I go, no surprise, no surprise, no surprise. They are just praising God. Man, their hands are lifted up. Man, some are just like, man, moving to the music. And I had to come alongside one of them and just say, man, you just, you just helped me praise God this morning. But see, it's having an environment in your family context that gives praise and glory and honor to God so that they don't diss authority when they grow up. They learn authority in the household. And again, because of time, uh, children obey your parents. Okay, is that clear? All right, great. Kids do that. Um, <laughs> Verse 4, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Remember that how you lead, even the mistakes that you make, how you recover from those mistakes will communicate something to your child about the grace of God. Teach them well of the grace of God. So the nuclear family teaches God's authority o- over us. And then you go to verse 5 of chapter 6. Uh, Bond servants obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Now look at this. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from what? From their heart. That's what Ephesians chapter 1 and 3 is all about, going after your heart. Chapters 4 through 6 is not a list of, okay, here's God's expectations of you. Good luck. No. It is God's expectations of you because of the Holy Spirit of God he deposited in you because a, a heart that is like, man, I can't do this on my own. No, I, I, I am so geared on my own to demand expectations of other people. And when I have these expectations, it puts in a debt-debtor relationship. It treats other people like you do this and you pay me back what I deserve. Well, how do you give that kind of person a gift? Because anything that is given then to me is, well, I deserve that because this is what I expect of you. And they could never give you a gift because you feel like you deserve it. The elements of the gospel are we don't deserve anything good, but we give and we receive our best from God himself. Just think about Jesus' submission. Jesus said, I only do what my father tells me. I only do that. What, is that a submissive statement? That's totally a submissive statement. He said, no, I go to the cross. Why? Because it is the will of my Father. Yeah, but that didn't seem to end too good for him. Yes, but it was according to the will of my Father. And I think everything about America is about autonomy and everyone making their own heaven on earth the way that they're convinced that that heaven on earth is. And so we here submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that goes totally, totally against our autonomy as Americans that says you do what you want, when you want, how you want. Nobody should tell you what to do. And I'm telling you, the last two years of COVID has kicked the church's butt. Because all of a sudden, we're trying to control everything we can control. And I'm here to tell you that we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For the building up so that we can be the light to the world, a city on a hill. 
through our relationships. See, God's excellency is worked out through us, and God is so about our heart. This is why Jesus says this. He quoted from Isaiah 29 when he said this in Matthew 15. This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Is that true of you? Is that true of you today? You know, well, God wants your heart so that you can live life and live it to the full. He on the cross, he did everything that was necessary to provide a place for the Holy Spirit to dwell so that the Holy Spirit could remind you of the truth of the word of God, the inspired word of God, the authority of the word of God that keeps coming back to a new command I give, Love others as Christ loved you. And that requires sacrifice. Because for the record, if you ever wonder how Christ loved you, look at the cross. He died on that cross. He was crucified on that cross so that you and I have life. But he says we are to love in that same manner. And I think the church is the perfect gymnasium for learning that, for exercising that. And I think so many times we get confused because we think, oh, this is inconvenient. Oh, that's not at a convenient time. Oh, I'm not doing that because it's not convenient. And then when we do that because it's not uh, convenient, then we call that sacrifice. No, no, no. Sacrifice is looking to our brothers and sisters in the Lord and say, how can I give something that costs me something that I really love so that they can benefit and have this life in Christ as well? And that's the church I desire to lead. It's the church that you desire to be a part of, I guarantee. But it all comes down to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, Three quick points in closing. Um, One, every Jesus follower is called to the role of submitting to the authority of Jesus. Every one of us. Now, you may be here, and you may not have yet taken that step of faith. That's okay. You need to count the cost. Because when you take that step of faith, here's the deal. A loving God says, okay, I have now purchased you. Now, because I purchased you by my blood, I own you. But I'm, I'm telling you through experience, you will never be more free than when you're a slave to Jesus Christ. You will never be more free. But that goes against all the autonomy I'm taught in our society. I know, I know, right? We get to be countercultural and show the world that there's such a better way. There's such a better way. We are called to submit to one author, uh, another other authority of Christ. And if I could be so honest with you as a pastor of this church family, um, our staff has really been getting tired. Our, our staff has really been getting tired um, because it, it, it's like, okay, um, we need help, we need help, we need help, and we got the help we needed here this school year, and we got some people that are pretty uh, tired, and we go, great, you're tired, you need a rest, you need a rest. Okay, so we need others to step up this summer so that others get the rest. And so I'm telling you, church, if I, if I can be any more clear, out of love for Sarah Norton and her team. I'm just saying out of love for Sarah Norton and her team. 
to say, we are so grateful to God for you. We're so grateful to God that you are coming alongside parents and helping pour into kiddos that I want to be a part of what you're doing. Why? Because I want to submit to you out of reverence for Christ. See, this is practically how it plays out. And that is so not popular today. It's a, hey, now you're stepping on my toes, pastor. I hope I am. I am, I hope I am. I really do. I really do. Because I love Sarah and her team. I love our staff and our team. But the only way they're going to thrive is for we to be the church of Jesus Christ. Branded in facilities, same thing. You know, he was saying, hey, we are going to do our Grace Spring cleanup, uh, or Grace Spring road service. You see Grace Spring signs that, hey, we're going to clean, have this road clean. And I told him this week, I said, that is not for you to do. Sorry. Not, I'm just saying no. Can't do it. This is for the church to do. It's for the church to do. We're not paying you to go do our job for us. And the more we do that, the more we enable you to sit back and just say, hey, man, isn't this a great place? Everything's done for us. We just come have a great experience on a Sunday morning. And we're here to say, no, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You're not doing this for Sarah. You're doing it for Jesus. And so when you find yourself committing to Sarah and you find yourself, ooh, I had something better come along this weekend, you know who your first call goes to? Not Sarah. Your first call goes to Jesus himself because that's who the commitment is with. It's not to Sarah. It's to Jesus. We got to start remembering that. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ because when we're doing this, man, we are not serving Sarah. We're not serving our staff. We're serving the king. Right? And so with that, I pray that this summer is a wonderful summer of intentionality where you have that come to light. I'm going to invite the worship team out right now as I uh, have these final two points. Those placed in positional leadership are to lead like Jesus. Do not abuse your authority. Do not abuse your positional authority. You are to lead like Christ. How did Christ lead? He served. Servant leadership. Lastly, every relationship we are in provides us the opportunity to both reflect and exercise the love of God. Every relationship, every relationship you're in. That's why I love coming every Sunday morning, even during my sabbatical. There's times you're going to see me. Why? Because this is family. I love you. It's just when you see me, just don't ask about decisions at the church, okay? You will serve me greatly doing that. But I go, why would I not serve with my family, okay? Because we are a family. Do not take that lightly. Don't take it lightly. God loves us. He, does, he created the church. And we now get to be a place where his blessing on us gets to shine out through us. That we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That we allow ourselves to maybe forgo a few dreams that we have. And just say, what is it that God wants to bring into this relationship that brings glory to himself? Oh, isn't this good? It's not good because I've said it. It's good because the Holy Spirit of God wrote it, spoke it, and now it's our responsibility, church, to now live this out in the context of our relationships. Amen? Amen. Pray with me. Lord God, thank you so much for this text of scripture that shows us how we can thrive, how we can truly thrive. 
when it comes to the relationships that you have put us into. And so, Lord, I pray for us this summer, the summer of intentionality, where we just kind of let go of some things so that we can press into some things. And, Lord, I pray that we will never um, minimize your creation of the local church to be a place where we get to exercise your grace, your forgiveness, but also your giftings on us so that we can be a part of other people's shared experiences. And as we have continued shared experiences together, we go from being strangers or acquaintances to friends and brothers and sisters in the Lord who will sacrifice greatly for the benefit of one another. That's the church that you have put on my heart for us to be and our leadership for us to be. Lord, help us. Show us what it looks like to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We pray. In your most holy and precious name, amen. Amen.